Sustainability. It's more, of course, than mere economic sustainability. But it's also more than ecological sustainability alone, which, thankfully, has become the focus of so many initiatives lately. To take a more holistic look at the idea of sustainability, you need to include two additional dimensions, human and social sustainability. So if you want to run a truly sustainable hospitality business, you need to A, look after your guests with excellent service for sustained economic success, B, minimize your environmental impact for ecological sustainability, and three and four, look after the well-being of your staff and the local communities you interact with for social and human sustainability. My name is Lydia Vanderbroek, and I wanted to find out what the best practices are around great service, people development, and ecological sustainability in the field of hospitality and tourism. So I talked to real people in real businesses to hear about real solutions to real challenges, and I'm happy to share their learnings with you. So if you want to become more sustainable, I invite you to listen in to our conversations and pick out some of the gold nuggets that you can hopefully then use in your own operation. And as a side note, every one of my guests has offered to make themselves available for a more in-depth conversation. So by all means, do reach out, connect, and together, let's make hospitality and tourism more sustainable. Hello and welcome to this month's episode and welcome to this wonderful conversation I got to have with Elaine and Hassan Aboutayeb, who are not only the owners and managers, but also the designers and architects of beautiful, beautiful Atlas Kasba Eco Lodge near Agadir in southern Morocco, gold winner of the World Responsible Tourism Award 2015 in London. This hotel looks so authentic Moroccan, I only just found out in this conversation that it's actually not a centuries-old converted citadel, but a building that has been designed and built with intention to be the beautiful and sustainable hotel it is today. So please join me in my conversation about effective water systems, organ plantations, and the very remarkable community relationships that Elaine and Hassan have built as part of their sustainability concept. Here we go. Enjoy. Hello, Elaine Aboutayeb and Hassan Aboutayeb. It's lovely to have you here. Let me see. I've got your last names pronounced properly and the name of your property is Atlas Kasbe. Is that right? Kasba. Atlas Kasba. Kasba. Okay. Mm -hmm. Atlas Kasba Ecolodge. All right. Ecolodge based in Agadir, Morocco, and it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, property. I've seen those on the picture. From what I understand, and this is the reason, of course, why I'm so excited about talking to you, is that you're doing a very, very good job around sustainability. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast, of course, is to share best practices around sustainability so that other people running operations like yours might you know be able to pick your brain and learn from your experiences maybe take a look at some of your best practices so that they may be adopt some of yours as their own ultimately making all of us a little more sustainable and making tourism therefore more of a force for sustainability in the future 
Let's start. Why don't you tell us, give us an idea of what the Atlas Kasbah is all about. So it's audio, not a video. So for those of the viewers who have never seen it, give us an impression of what it looks like. So it's located 20 minutes from Agadir and from the airport on the hilltops of the Atlas Mountains. It's just five kilometers from the city, really. And it's a fortress made with the architecture of the ancient Caspas, the Berber fortresses uh, with earth rammed walls and, um, you know, the, the typical Moroccan castle, really. So among the Agan Biosphere Reserve, it's a UNESCO protected area. And it's, um, there are some villages, Berber villages all around. And we are like two hours and a half from Marrakesh as well. 20 minutes far from uh, the airport of Agadir and not far from the sea also. We are about 15 kilometers far from the sea, the ocean of Agadir. So it's very, very well located. So it has everything. So I suppose this is one of the reasons why guests love to come and stay with you. I presume that sustainability is another reason why guests like to come and stay with you, to understand, to know, to realize that by staying with you, their ecological footprint is not as heavy as it might be in other properties, perhaps. But before we get into the real life sustainability aspect of your property, tell us how it came to be, how you two came to run this property and what made you that's a follow-up question, really. What brought you to adopt sustainability measures? We have done our study in uh, sustainability and heritage. So I would like to do really something different. And it's also our uh, life of style. We want to really to develop uh, something really new and something uh, more responsible. That's the idea in the beginning. So we had done this ecology. It's now about 12 years ago. Hassan has a PhD in sustainable tourism and I have a master's degree in sustainable development. So we both know what we are talking about. Great. So you found this property. You wanted to do something. You set your eyes out to adopt a property that would work for your ideas. Actually, it was kind of different because um, Hassan has worked in consulting as a consultant. And at one point he was like, it's great to, to, you know, to advise people on what to do, but I like to advise myself and use what I've learned from others experience. <laughs> exactly. So he said, let's do that. So uh, because we didn't have much money. So we were looking for some land around Agadir and we found this place 14 years ago. And then we started building. We got, as the project was eco-friendly, the regional council gave us some subsidies to help us. And then we got as well 0% interest rate grant. We got help from the family as well. And the small project became what it is now. There was no electricity, no water. There was no building. There was nothing except goats and organ trees. And we built everything from scratch. Oh, it's newly built. It looks like it's been there forever. Exactly. And we found some wow. old old people, old craftsmen that still knew how to make this. So that was amazing. Oh, okay. We have learned a lot about architecture and everything. 
All right. I, I thought it was there and you maybe renovated it. Okay. So you build it according to your own plans and wishes and as a hotel, which I guess brings a lot of advantages if you build it as a hotel rather than having to adopt it or adapt it as a, as a hotel. All right. So this is how you started. It took you two years to do it and you set it up. You build it as a sustainable property, right? Exactly. Right away from the beginning. Now, this is a huge advantage. So tell me, what are some of the, the original pillars of sustainability that you already built into the whole property? I'm assuming that some might have developed later on, perhaps, or maybe not. I'm not sure. But what were some of the main pillars you wanted to definitely have included as part of your sustainability program for this property? Uh, first of all, is the architecture of the Casbah. It's really like a very, very old Casbah. We used the natural, uh, natural material to build it. Also for the design, uh, we have respect uh, traditional Moroccan houses, especially the Casbah houses. What we use in the Casbah is by, made by hand, a handicraft uh, person in our region. Also, we, uh, we use uh, solar energy, we heat the water 100% by, uh, by solar. We have a permaculture uh, garden. We, have, we produce our, our vegetables and fruits, and also all what you use in, in the Casper to clean for, for cleaning. For example, we use only organic product, no chemical product. We, um, we care a lot about the use of the water because maybe, as you know, we are in one region in which we have not enough water. And it doesn't rain enough, especially this last years. And also the sustainability is uh, for local community. All the, our staff is from the villages around and etc. No, but for um, since the beginning, we did a special drains, one for toilets and one for the kitchen and showers. And these drains would go to different tanks with filters and plants and bamboos and everything. And so then with, as we are on a hilltop, we don't need any engine or anything. And it just, you know, purifies with the UV and uh, with the sun UV and different things like different sands and rocks and bamboos and everything. We built this with the university. And so now the water is used for the gardens as well. So this water is completely recycled and used for the gardens, but only for the plants, not for the plants we eat, only for the ornamental plants. So the, the, gray, the gray water, right? Exactly. exactly. And so you had help. I mean, there's a lot that you're bringing here. So, so you got help from the university to set up a system, obviously composed of different or put together from different components to purify the water uh, in two different tanks. So I take it if somebody wanted to do a better job on using the water, what would you suggest they do? Is there is a company that, that you recommend or is, can it be copy pasted? Can, can somebody learn from what you've done or would you advise they, uh, they reach out to whoever helped you? What would you suggest? We have, we have actually done a scientific article about that we can share it in with others. You can look on the, uh, on the internet, uh, make food preparation in okay. the internet. Hassan Abu Tayyab, and Mr. Kabashi, the okay. professor from the university. You can find all the system 
will explain how we do it and why we do it and all of the details. All right. I mean, water usage is, of course, a, a big one, right? So you, you've taken good care of that. I'm just taking a look at the, at the pictures as we speak to, to, to see, uh, yeah, it's on the hill. And of course, if you, if you construct it from the scratch up, you have, a, you have a huge advantage. You can do things as you find it uh, needed. And where, is your, where are your solar panels? Where do you keep those? Where do you have those installed? It's on the rooftop. And also on the the parking lot. Yeah, in Morocco, in Morocco, it's only flat roof. It's all flat roofs. Yes, yes. I guess once I will have visited you, I will notice. But since I've never been there, (laughs) all all roofs are flat roofs. Okay, so you're getting your energy from the sun. You're using the water well. We'll talk about the community in a minute. What else around the uh, technology? What else is in the hardware, built into the hardware? Is there anything else that we can take away? How much would you say is it is it net benefit of having the water installed the way you did? Because surely that included quite some investment, or did it? Was it expensive to have the the special, what do you call it? Feature depuration system. Okay. Uh, the price. We don't know exactly how it costs, but not lots because we have done it with our, uh, really with, with our staff and uh, there is a professor that helped us for free. It's like a, a scientific project, so it doesn't cost a lot. Okay. Maybe it will cost something like 6,000 euro about mm-hmm. that. Okay. So, the, the, the most expensive were the drains, the different drains for toilets and for mm-hmm. the kitchen. And to get the tanks. To build the tanks and the yeah. system because okay. we have built, built it. And uh, what is interesting because we have our land, it's yeah, uh, it's a hilltop. hilltop so. So. There's no engine, it just no energy, mm. for okay. example. It's like okay. a waterfall. So it sounds like a pretty reasonable investment. I could imagine that some people might say this sounds complicated, it sounds expensive, not sure if I can afford it, but you say it's it was definitely worth it. It helped us a lot. I imagine if you don't have that. Also for the, the salt-treated swimming pool is interesting as well. Really, okay. we, we save money as well on chlorine and things. So we also it's, it's really quite interesting as an investment. And it's mm-hmm. good for the, for the guests. I mean, it's good for the skin and for the hair. And it's, it's also something that we would recommend. And also we have, it's not about technical though. We have a lot of recipes for cleaning that we would be happy to share with anyone that uh, needs this. Different recipes uh, that saves us a lot of money and that are completely secure and safe and, and useful. So um, as well, it's interesting and it's good for the health of the cleaning ladies, of the maids and everything. The biologically degradable cleaning supplies that you talked about. So you, you're preparing them yourself? Yeah, it's used with lemons and baking soda and vinegar. You know, everything, right? (laughs) If it's not one or the other, you put them together and see what happens, right? And also, you know, that it's very important because, for example, for phytoepuration, if you use a chemical product, it doesn't work at all. The bamboos will die. Exactly. And the system will not be functional. So... So it must be natural in order for your drainage, for your water uh, supply system, uh, for water drainage system even to work because it has the bamboo and what, what have you as part of the, the, the filtering system. 
we asked our guests to bring some organic shampoos and things. If you know, sometimes it's not organic, it's normal shampoo. Yeah. It's it's fine. Some from time to time, the bamboos can handle this. But if it's too much, like no, they would die. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But people so, that come here are very conscious of the environment, so we don't have this. But if they use, for example, their shampoo, it's really it's small. It's very small little, yeah. The amount is, is insignificant, I would assume. Yeah. Have you thought about starting a line of organic shampoos and soaps? We we already have in the rooms uh, shampoos from uh, the cooperatives, the women's cooperative, because as you know, sustainability is not only being environmental friendly, it's also helping the communities. And I would say it's first human beings first. And then if you protect the human beings, then you protect the earth as well. So we use everything organic from the women's cooperative. So that's good. Let's go and talk about that. Uh, How did the community feel about you coming in there and, and developing this? Was there any resistance from the local communities or were they happy that you would bring some business to the area? Actually, we are in a place where there's a lot of unemployment. And so people were really happy because we would provide money and every activities we are organizing, we organize all the revenues goes to the inhabitants and to the people that organize it. So that's that's important. And also we get the chance to help women because women in Morocco, it's complicated. You only you can work in an organ oil cooperative, but that's it. And we help women. We have one one maid, for example, her husband is blind and she's the only one to sustain the family. And the other, you know, all the maids, uh, maids, they had never seen a bed before coming. So I had to train them to show them how to make a bed and what's a bed and what is clean. And so they would come back to me and say, I've cleaned it. It's 100% super clean and hygienic and everything. And I would come and I would say, yes, for you, it's perfect. For me, it's 50%. You need to try again. And then to explain the standard, because their standard is not the same as mine and as the guests as well. So it's a training that took me before we opened six months to to show them what most standards and European people's standards were. So that's complicated, Mm. but that's they are fully qualified right now and they are loyal and they don't want to go anywhere else because we have taught them things for their own sake and family as well. And also we have really a very good relationship uh, with the local community, with the local association and also with the local cooperative. We have done many activities with them. We develop a lot of things uh, especially to learning, studying, uh, thinking about more about environment. And for example, I will give one example for children, for the girls don't go to the school. They do primary school at the village. And then when they want to continue their school, they must go a little bit far away. So the parents, they don't allow them to go to the school. So we participate in, uh, in the uh, bus school. And then all the girls go to the school right now. And we are happy with that. We have also our library. The children library we've made and they come from time to time to read books and to to give them the, you know, the taste for books. And because they don't have books anywhere here. And also to learn French as well, because it's going to be useful for them. So that's what we do, for example. 
So you you started out with the right idea. You started out by involving the community. Obviously, they appreciated the fact that there was business coming to the area. And then you did things, right? And what I hear you say is you probably develop as you see needs happening, right? You probably didn't start out with the children's library, but you saw this need and then you, it's relatively easy. It's very little investment to do that and have a greater impact yet on the communities. So you doing the training, Helen? Yes. You doing the training for the people. How much staff do you have now? We have nine persons working with us, but in the high season, we have more guests. We add uh, about six, seven person more. So direct employment, but we work also with local inhabitants to make hiking, biking, to visit cooperative, transportation, and everything. There is uh, more than 70 persons working indirectly with us. So the impact is very important. And the impact also of the visibility of the area. And also we participate in the Argan Biosphere Program to protect it, uh, the environment. We, uh, we care a lot about that, Helen and me. We do many activities to protect Argan tree. It's, as you know, it's unique in whole the world, this Argan. And we extracted Argan oil from, it's in our region. We are the capital of this Biosphere Reserve. So we, we do a lot and to, to make also to help local people to care more about, to make some training, to invite uh, professors, to invite children also, to do many active about environment. We care a lot, lot about that also. Where does Argan oil come from? It's tree, the Argan tree. And from the Argan tree, we, we have a fruit. It's like olives. Mm. And our region is the unique region in the world that we have, where we have the Argan tree, it's the capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And the, from the fruit, we extract Argan oil. We use it to eat, to cook, but also it's very famous in the world by in cosmetic. We use it right. in cosmetic. Yeah, I've seen it, of course, in stores. I didn't know you could cook with it. In rice, it's delicious if you if you put it in rice or, you know, it's, it has um, the taste of um, nuts oil. You're supporting the, the growth of argan oil and the production of argan oil products as well. So you're training them. And of course, I, part of my background is in training and people development. So, so let, let me ask you, a lot of people say, well, it's, it's nearly impossible to train people who've never seen a five-star or four-star hotel, let alone, or even a bed, as much as a bed, to really train them to get the feeling for at least a high standard. So what, what was your approach in particular, except for staying on and, and redoing and, and giving it a lot of time? Do you have any tips for people that might be struggling with the same challenge? I don't have tips to give, though. Um, you need to know that these women were illiterate. They've never been to school. So that's another challenge because these people don't know. It's not you don't go to school uh, and that's when I, I learned that, actually. You don't go to school only to read and write and count. You go to school to learn some concepts such as deadlines, time, you know, different things. Mm -hmm. And they don't have this. They don't have this concept of time. And so it's, I had to change my mind completely and, and just to adapt to them. So that's why my training was really mainly practical, practicing, practicing, practicing. and it. 
it, it became complicated. For example, we had to find different ways, for example, uh, to, to tell them that we have some guests coming and it's going to be a couple. So it's double bed and they don't read. So I had to draw two persons on the board to let them know. And then when it's a kid, and then I, I would draw a small one. And it's, it, you need to find tricks because it's, it's so different from us. So yes, it's, it's really mainly, it's Berber people are, they have oral heritage. It's only oral. They don't write this, this, this language. So it's mainly repeating and repeating and repeating and showing and letting them try, make mistakes and doing it again and again and again. The process continues as you've been a trainer for people. Um, training is constant, a constant process. It never stops. So never stops. That's right. No. That's right. Well, Elaine, I just had an epiphany, uh, definitely a takeaway for me. Of course, we know that lots of people don't go to school and we also hear a lot of people say, oh, the people in my community, they don't have no concept of time and so forth. But to connect these two facts, it never occurred to me that one, of course, had to do with the other. So thank you very much for this very important highlight. Maybe, And maybe I'm not the only one who's, who just had a light bulb go off <laughs> as far as that is concerned. Yeah. And how do you do about staffing for like a house engineer? I mean, all of your, you know, a house like this needs to be maintained. Where do you get staff from for these sort of positions? We work with different people that come from time to time. But what we do is we use Google Agenda. On Google Agenda, we write every month uh, what we have to do. And it's super easy. And really, we recommend this to hoteliers. And every month we need to do this for maintenance. And then every week this, and then cleaning the solar panels is, should be according to the dust we have here. Every once a term, once a trimester. So every three months it's written on our Google agenda. You need to want to clean the, the solar panels. And that's really useful because instead of, of course we have issues, but instead of having a lot of issues, we try to anticipate before we have them. So that's really useful. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are not so expensive in Morocco, but that was tricky to find people that knew about solar energy and everything and everything. So we had to learn by ourselves and then transmit this in Berber language because people only speak Berber here and tell them what we wanted and things. And that's what actually we did for, even at the beginning, at the beginning, we went to see eight different architects and we told them that's what we want we want the traditional casbah the only difference we would like and that was my thing was in in casbahs in berber casbahs normally the windows are very small for the okay and and that was my only thing i, I said no i want huge windows because the view is just amazing mesmerizing so um, that was my only change. And the eight architects didn't understand what we wanted and they wanted some balconies and, you know, different modern things. And we were like, no, you don't understand. So Hassan and I took papers three days, three nights, and we did it. And we drew our Casbah and then we gave it to an architect. And then he, you know, he adjusted things and, and then we got what we wanted. So you just need to believe 
and believe in yourself and learn and learn and learn and then try to get help from people, but never forget what you want at the beginning. So you create your own picture and then it's easier, of course, for others to understand really which way to go. So what would you do differently though? What did you, you say you learn and learn. So what did you learn in the process of even bringing this hotel to realization? So where did you have to rethink maybe, or what did you do differently? What would you do differently in the development of the property number one? We didn't have much money at the beginning. So <laughs> as the money would come, we would, you know, so at the beginning we didn't have we didn't have anything in the towers. We just built the towers and they were empty. And then we said, okay, why not, you know, putting beds and, you know, it, it's really a swimming pool after two years. And then we added a restaurant and step by step. And did you have to let go of any ideas because it wasn't practical? If we would change something, and I, I think Hassan would, would agree with me, would be to have a basement to stock things. That's what we miss. We, we need everywhere. We need some areas to stock some furniture. And when we have an event, we have more chairs. And when we have, you know, we would have a basement, I think, but it was okay. so expensive at the time. So we couldn't afford it well, really. But, but, you know, we, we have a vision in the beginning. We know what you want to do and how to do it. And we make planification. We, everything is, uh, we have that we have that in the beginning and we have done it uh, step by step what i uh, suggest for other people is to really to plan, to make planification and to take a time to do it because mainly we want in the beginning to do everything it's not easy we need more money more time and sometimes it suggestion of our guests for example Really? So what was, do you remember a particular suggestion from your guests that you have realized in the hotel? The curtains, they were not easy to close, to, so to draw, so we, we had to change them. Uh, different things, really a details. lot, a lot, lot a lot yeah. of details. In the room, Are you listening to your guests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the rooms, we need that, we need these lights. Putting windows in the doors of the yeah. bathrooms, you know, different, different things. Okay. Maybe sometimes okay. it's simple things, but it's useful for the guests, for the electricity, for the lamps, for some decorations. Sure. Some, we, we do it with our guests. We have learned a lot uh, with our guests also. And yeah. they help us also in the garden. You have to do that and that. There is, uh, we have some person are specialized in agricultural aspects. They say, ah, you can do that and do that. Do irrigation, you make that. So all the time we try to listen to our guests and mainly they give us advices. Yeah, many people like, of course, they, are, they have an eco-friendly mind. So we have some people specialized in solar electricity that told us this and that yeah. and other people specialize in water separation that would yeah. you know it's it's really people that are like us and yeah. and they they have the expertise and the yeah. knowledge so yeah. that's wonderful you remember Helen, in the beginning we have for example one couple they are specialized in labelization ecolabelization they work with union work in uh, eco label they make uh, they have a checklist a certification for- yeah and another one, he make us uh, carbon-free, free. the carbon uh, footprints, for planes, for calculate our carbon footprints or everything for us. He told us, ah, you have to add that to more, make more that. So really, 
And the more you, um, that's what I would tell to Atelier, the more you help people, the more they help you. And the more you give in general in life and the more you receive. And when you receive, you really need to take it into consideration. Really, it's important because it's some details. And of course, you cannot think of everything when you build. But when you, we have tried to sleep in the rooms sometimes. So we see things. But it's when when guests tell us, it's like, yeah, of course you're right. So, yeah, yeah. and also there is many <laughs> journalists that person like you. They came, they share our experience to other people. They help us also to that our lodge is more known. They contact us. The people they believe in what we do. Mm-hmm. They believe in the sustainability, and they help us a lot. That we need that. So listen to the guest. Always learn from the guest. And of course, it's a nice environment when people, it's a, it's a nice cycle, right? People say, oh, ecology, I like that. They go there, they have the mindset, they maybe have a particular background, they can give you input. And it's, a, it's truly a community then. It's, it's truly a, a community into each of the directions, right? So uh, talking about uh, guests, how do you get your guests? Because that's a big one, right? I mean, sustainability... <laughs> is not just people or ecological, but it's also economic. You need to remain economically sustainable. So how, where do you get your guests from? We are a little bit lucky because when we start our project, especially in Morocco, it's, we started in 2009. And this year, the Moroccan government and especially the Moroccan king speaks about sustainability the, the really the first time. And on this time, we are lucky because all the media and the television, they came in our lodge to see what is the eco-friendly hotel they speak about as they help us in the beginning with the local, uh, with the national tourists. And also we are happy also because we worked before with uh, some travel agents. They help us in the beginning. They sent us a guest. But the main, our uh, the majority of the guests is coming by internet. So it helped us. We have uh, very nice reviews. The guests help us and they contact others. And also, as I told you before, we are uh, many, many time we are uh, contacted by media and television, national and international. And also we won some um, awards like an international mm-hmm. award uh, in London. So all of that, they help us. So you don't have to actively promote your property. People are actually coming to your place. The word of mouth is your strongest marketing. We work. I mean, no, no, come on. We, we, we work. We are on Instagram. We are trying our best. That's true. Marketing is not our main asset. That's We completely know that. We are in, in the product and in sustainability. Mm-hmm. But we are working on that. We are not bad on Facebook and on Instagram. But we... We have a lot to do as far as marketing is concerned. And we know that because when someone has um, an international responsible tourism award, such as the one we had, we could be much better than this as far as communication. So we need to to work on this. Yeah. I mean, you need to have the people coming in so that you can truly continue with your sustainable work. Well, listening to my last podcast episode, I talked to Warren Green, and he seems to be uh, really knowing what he's doing, and he has a lot of experience. Might want to reach out to him on that. Pleasure. 
So what what can you what what are your other giveaways, your mental giveaways to others that want to become more sustainable, either by tapping more into their staff or by getting stronger on economic, ecological sustainability? What else are some of your best practices that you would say people should adopt? What's the first thing I can do if I have a property and I say to myself, I want to become more sustainable, not sure how, what would you suggest? What's the best way to start my sustainable journey? I think it cannot work without humans beings there. So I would start with my staff, with my team, really. Mm -hmm. You need to train them to show them why. And we did actually, we did, I have an anecdote. We did something wrong. So it, I, I think we learned from our errors. It's wonderful to, to learn from that. So I'm going to share this one. There was this movie, Home, maybe you know it, about eco-friendly. And oh, it was famous in 10 years ago, <laughs> I think, by Yann Arthus Bertrand, Home. Everybody would watch it. It was on, it's on YouTube with millions of views and how the world is getting bad with the factories and the pollution and everything that goes bad. And so we were like, okay, that's the good time to show our staff what's life in the Western world like and what we don't want. And so we, we watched the documentary. And so it showed like houses, probably, I don't know, in Europe or in America, maybe. And it was like huge and huge area with all the houses, just the same and, and the factories and the things, and it was like gloomy and everything. And so one maid said, oh my God, these houses are just amazing. I so much want to live there. <laughs> and we were like, oh no, we have No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong message. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's really explaining and training the stuff. You want to be sustainable. It doesn't. If it's only on your shoulders, it's not going to work. You really need to work as a team. It's a teamwork. So show them, explain them why. Give them the sense of the meaning of all this. If they don't understand, they are not going to do it. If they don't understand, then they are not going to recycle the waste. To make them, you're not going to recycle the waste. The maids will recycle the, the waste and uh, the cook as well. If you don't show them why you do this, then they are not going to do it because they don't have the meaning. They don't feel that it's, it's a good objective. Just if you tell them it's for the earth, they are probably, unless they have the correct mindset, going to do it because they have other priorities in their life. I totally understand this, but you need to explain them. And so that's why uh, I think it's important to start. You can find on the internet how to recycle waste, how to sort out waste, how to put certain tabs so that you don't waste water and how to, to put some stickers in the room to save water and electricity. But staff, 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 staff is important. Start yeah. small. Don't start with a huge system, but start with the staff and the recycling and the reusing and the awareness um, and then move on from there. Yeah, because at one point, the staff is going to give you ideas. And that's your objective. Your objective is not that it's always coming from you to the, your staff. It's coming from your staff to you. So then, well, we couldn't do that because most of them are illiterate. But we wanted to put a box and then they can tell us anonymously what we should do or other ideas. So if it's coming from them, then it's going to work. If you impose it on them, 
or if you, they don't understand why, they're not going to work. And also another aspect is to have connection with the area and the territory. You have to include other people around your project, the local community, with local association, with the school, to share your objective, to share your vision with others. You can grow together. That's very, very important also. And you take the project like that, it's uh, the project also for the community. That is very important. And it needs also a lot of energy and a lot of time mm -hmm. right now, but it's important because I think the project like us, it's uh, first of all, the philosophy and the life of style also. If we think only about uh, rentability, profitability, you are not going, not going to do a job. It's important actually, but it's not only the aim. It's one pillar. And if you want to really earn money, don't do this. <laughs> When you are eco-friendly, so much maintenance, so many things to do, and it, it costs a lot. And you can get much more money by doing much less work. So I wouldn't, if you don't feel inspired inside, mm. if you don't feel that's your philosophy and you want to live here and to help people and to bring eco-friendly practices around you, then don't do it really. It's to come from, from you inside. If not, you're going to have yeah. a nervous breakdown. Yeah, if you don't believe on that, you mm. are not going to continue. No. Yep. You have to, and also I think it's a well-being to, we are very happy to live in this, uh, it's our home actually also. We live in the Casbah with our family. We are very happy to be here. It's a lot of challenges uh, now, but in the end, we will love what you do and we're happy with you do. And we are also very happy when we help all of these people around us, our staff, We participate in the environment, we protect the Argan biosphere reserve of Argan forests with a lot of tech with the local community. And also because there is a lot of people helping us also from our local community, people coming from abroad, from Europe, a lot of people, they love what we do and they give us a lot of energy. We love that. And we are very happy when we see the people when they want to leave the Casbah, they are crying. They say, wow, we, we're at home. That's that's our really our first. Yeah. When they go on a day trip, they say, "Okay, let's go back home." And and it, that's what we we said in the slogan. And the, the slogan again comes from the guest. I mean, it's not we have created the slogan, but it, because all the guests would say, "I feel like home," and I'm coming home, and it's like a family here. So the slogan was "Your Moroccan home," and that's what people feel. And then we know we have reached our goal. A lot of our guests are now. Our friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's lovely. That's lovely. Imagine in Christmas or with this birthday or something, we receive a lot, a lot of mailing. And they have a lot of guests, a lot of friends in the whole world coming from Germany, coming from mm. Austria, United America, and a lot of Morocco also. We are happy. It's our first satisfaction. That's lovely. That's what we're doing it for. I remember my old boss, he used to say, and that was in a five-star hotel, he used to say, if the only way you can really make money in this industry is you have a hot dog stand. That's the best way to make money. <laughs> so everything else is not as, as much of a this huge profit thing, right, that, that a hot dog stand might be. So let's look uh, to, to close this up a little bit. I know your, your time is precious. 
of course, we all want this whole Corona thing to be over with and everybody be vaccinated and it's all just go and phase into normal life in some way or fashion. How do you think, or do you think that this whole pandemic has changed life for you, your guests, hotel life? Do you think there's going to be, will it have an impact? I mean, now, of course, it's been terrible a year and a half for you, probably as much as for everybody else in this business. But do you think it's going to have a long lasting impact? Will it change people somehow? You know, this pandemic is really bad for all the world and especially catastrophic for the tourism sector. It's really, really bad. At the same time, I think it's uh, maybe there is one positive aspect of this pandemic. Small positive that people they are thinking more about themselves. Though they are thinking about the environment, they are thinking about uh, the protected uh, environment, and also to think about other people. And I'm thinking it's we are in the bad situation now in whole the world. But um, I think that in the future we are going to finish with this uh, virus. I'm sure with this vaccine, maybe in one year, I hope or less, and then the tourism will be more developed. And the sustainability will more develop. The people are, uh, they have a bad experience and they think they are aware about environment, the impact of environment. It's very important to eat well, to have immunity system by uh, their state of life, by what they ate. Uh, the trends for the new normal goes to small facilities as well. And we've seen that Moroccan people before would go to huge hotels And there was a lockdown, so people couldn't go out of Morocco. And so we had this new clientele, these new guests uh, that would come to us and say, wow, we didn't expect those standards in Morocco. And we didn't expect this to be because they are not into small facilities mm -hmm. right now, Moroccan people, and they are not into uh, going to the countryside either. And so we have these new guests that don't care. So much about the environment at least they've never heard of eco-friendly practices and things and when they come and when they go out when they leave uh, the casbah then they use vinegar to clean their house so <laughs> that's if we've done one thing that's good i mean we have changed their mind and we've shown them certain things that in the countryside you can still enjoy so we are working right now with the moroccan people and it's new for us but um little by little yeah And you're expanding your, your guest base, and that's a good thing. That sounds very, very good. Yeah, more awareness, more focus on the small hotels, slow travel in a bit, right? Get to know your local attractions. You don't have to fly halfway around the world. So all this, again, is, of course, contributes to, to being eco-friendly. And what's in the future, besides from getting more people after the pandemic? Do you have any other plans, anything that you want to implement in your beautiful property? Our dream, long lasting dream is to have a Berber museum to show Berber culture and Berber. Uh, you know, we have a lot, a lot of tools, a lot of things, but we would like to show what they were used for and why they are important in Berber culture. And we would focus on the cultural aspects. Mm -hmm. So we would like to build this down the hill mm -hmm. on the land, but very, very long time probably. So, but that's a dream. 
and you're contributing really to the sustainable and its truth sense of the world. You're taking things from the past, you make sure they don't go away. So you're making culture, you're bringing uh, a sustainable, you're making sure it's not just going away. Exactly. Protecting the heritage is totally yeah. part of it. Well, it sounds like you're doing some fantastic things. I was really in for some surprises. I've taken some mental notes. I'm very, very happy that I had the opportunity uh, of talking to you. What I'm taking away is that on the technological side, the water purification, for example, does not have to be supremely expensive. There is ways of doing that. I think that's very important for many. Of course, the community involvement. I'm very impressed by all of the things you're doing with and for the community, but ultimately together with the community for the good of everybody involved, of course. And I'm taking away the, the schooling and the, <laughs> the timing principle that there is a connection. I'm definitely going to take that away. And the idea that the cultural heritage too is also an aspect of sustainability. That's fantastic. Well, I thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for sharing this with us. I'm going to reach back out to you on the papers for that water drainage system so that we might be able to offer that to people who are interested in that. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've taken plenty of notes. I found it fascinating and I'm definitely going to make sure to put the Atlas Kasbah on my bucket list of places to visit once travel gets easier. As um, all of my guests, Hassan and Helen, have offered to make themselves available for any questions. Of course, if you want to stop by and look and see how they have built this property, how it's running, how they're interacting with the communities, they're more than happy to uh, make themselves available. Reach out to them at either atlaskaspa.com or uh, reach out to Hassan at Hassan Abutayeb, that's with O-U and a Y, at gmail.com. Look them up on LinkedIn. They're very prominent there, Instagram as well. So stay in touch with them. Look, listen and learn. Let's pick each other's brains and uh, keep on learning from one another. I'm looking forward to our next episode coming up soon. Bye.